today's first reading, we see sort of the mechanics or the process of contrition when it says that the people were cut to the heart. And the Council of Trent defines contrition as sort of a sorrow for sin, which leads to a firm purpose to amend one's life. A sorrow for sin with a firm purpose to amend one's life. So we see that in the first reading. The people are cut, as it says, to the heart. And what we should notice is what causes this contrition in the crowds. It is the preaching of Peter, but notice what Peter is preaching upon. He's preaching upon Christ and him crucified. It is ultimately the crucified Lord, which leads to contrition, to sorrow for our sins. And so that is why we have to spend time meditating upon the passion of our Lord. We have to pray the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary. We have to pray the stations of the cross. We have to close our eyes and imagine ourselves with the Lord in Gethsemane. We have to imagine ourselves with the Lord at the pillar when he is scourged. We have to see him crowned with thorns. We have to walk with him as he carries his cross. And ultimately, we must stand at the foot of his cross on Mount Calvary, and we must behold his wounds. But we must also understand that it is by his wounds we were healed. Those wounds are because of us, and they are for us. And so when we see our Lord scourged and lashed, we have to recognize that those wounds are for our sins of lust and the flesh. When we see him crowned with thorns, we have to understand that, that those wounds are because of our wicked thoughts. When we see our Lord stripped of his garments, it is because of our materiality, our envy, our avarice, our greed. When we see our Lord insulted, it is because of our gossip and our detraction against one another, because by his wounds we are healed. And this meditation, this reflection, leads to contrition. We also will be cut to the heart. It is by meditating upon the crucified that we crucify our vices. And notice in the first reading that after they have contrition, they immediately come to Peter and they say, what must we do? Genuine and true contrition flows out into action. It begins with sorrow for sin and leads into an action. And so Peter directs them. He says, repent and be baptized. He sends them to a sacrament, to baptism, to have their sins forgiven. He would send each one of us to confession. And then he says to repent. The Greek word for repentance, metanoia, literally means to think beyond or to rethink. And that's what we have to do when we repent. We have to rethink our life. We have to rethink the way we live our life and begin to make changes. So we have to wake up in the morning and ask ourselves, how am I going to worship God rightly today? If you can get to the most holy sacrifice of the mass, that's the best thing you can do. If you cannot, then at least visit our Lord for an hour or for 10 minutes or for 15 minutes in the Adoration Chapel to adore him under the appearance of bread and wine. We should pray our rosary every day. All of these things begin to redirect our life and our worship to God in a correct manner. And then we have to look at our vocation and say, how am I going to live out my vocation worthy of the calling? 
If you are a spouse, you have to ask yourself, how am I going to assist my spouse in their holiness and lead them to heaven? If your spouse has died, you should pray for them. That is a good and holy and beautiful thing to do. If you are a parent, you have to ask yourselves, how am I handing on the faith? How am I handing down supernatural life to my kids? How am I going to instruct them in the faith? Or if they're adult children and they've fallen away, what are those opportunities where I will have a chance to sow seeds of the gospel once again? We have to examine our vocation. And then we have to examine our jobs and say, how am I living out the gospel in my workplace? Because we spend a lot of time at the workplace. And how am I testifying to the truth and to what is good and true and beautiful? And in every facet of our life, we then have to redirect it back towards God. When I was in seminary, I used to speak like the moderns do, where I would say that God has to be sort of the top priority in your life. But I've realized over time, especially in my priesthood, that that is an error to speak that way. And you never see the saints speak that way because it acts like there's a comparison between God and other things and there is no comparison because God is an infinite good and everything else is finite. God is not the most important thing in your life. God is the only thing in your life. That's how the saints speak. St. Louis de Montfort used to say, God alone, God alone. 